what I recommend to people is look back over your life. What are the things that brought you the greatest joy? So if you look at what brings you joy, use joy as your guidance system. If you're not happy, then you're not doing the right thing. Coming up, Ariane talks with Jack Canfield, the co-creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul, next on Change Nation from the first 30 days. Known as America's number one success coach, Jack Canfield is the co-creator and co-author with Mark Victor Hansen of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series that has sold over 100 million copies around the world. He was also a key part of the very successful movie The Secret. Now he has a new book called Jack Canfield's Key to Living the Law of Attraction, a simple guide to creating the life of your dreams and a companion series of vision books and gratitude journals. Today, Jack joins me here on Change Nation to talk about his new Dream Big collection and how we can all make some changes and pursue our dreams. Jack, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the show. Uh, Thank you for having me. Jack, you've had an extraordinary life so far. And I'm curious if, did you know what you wanted to do when you grew up? Did Did you have a plan early on? Not really early on. I thought I was going to go to school and become a lawyer, but I got very quickly aware that I didn't want to do that once I really saw what was involved. Uh, and I, so I basically started out as a high school teacher in Chicago and spent a couple of years teaching high school. And where I really kind of got into what I was excited about was when I realized I was more interested in why kids weren't motivated to learn than I was in teaching history. And so I began to study how do you motivate people. And that's what led me into the work I do now, which is a, a motivational speaker. I write books. You know, I did the whole Chicken Super to Soul series, which are all inspirational books. And so I'd, I'd say it started when I was a high school teacher because I realized that stories are what really inspire people to go for their dreams more than almost anything else. So that's why I collected all those Chicken Soup for the Soul stories for so many years. So I have dozens of these Chicken Soup series. Do you think there was some luck involved in that or was it really a series of principles, success principles that you talk about that really sort of created the phenomenon? Well, I think once you find your passion and you really pursue it uh, with passion and with purpose and with perseverance, that uh, things begin to occur that some people might call luck. You know, you find yourself in the right place at the right time with the right people. But I really believe in the law of attraction, which says that when we're uh, you know, doing that, which is what we're supposed to do, we're doing our right livelihood, we're tapped into our higher purpose, that the universe then responds by giving us all of the resources, the opportunities, the people, the meeting that we need in order to bring that about. So I'm sure I use the word luck sometimes in my vocabulary, but I really think it's more that we create it by our intention. What do you think was the biggest lesson that you learned from actually starting the series of books? I think I learned that... um, you know, when you're doing what you love, it, it gets easy. I'm actually writing a book now called Effortless Success, and the idea is you do have to work, and I put in a lot of hours. I mean, the last book I wrote, I, I wrote 16 hours a day, you know, for months, but I was happy the whole time. I was loving it. I couldn't wait to get up and get back to it, and my wife would have to come and say, don't you think you should go to bed now, and things like that. So um, I just found that once I got started that it, it seemed easy, and then people started coming to us. I mean, Marcy Shimoff, who's one of the women in The Secret, uh, also um, Lisa Nichols, who's one of the women in The Secret, they both are co-authors of Chicken Soup for the Soul books, and they came to me saying, hey, what about a book for African Americans? What about a book for women? And um, so when, when you're in the groove, 
it, it, people start showing up to support it. Jack, let's talk about people who would love to find their dream and would love to find what it is that their purpose is and what they're meant to be doing with their life. Why does it still feel hard for people? I'm hearing the word easy a lot and finding your dream, is, is it easy? Is it hard? You know, it's easy when you're a kid because you're pure and you're unfiltered by your parenting programming and the conditioning and so forth. Kids always know what they want to do. You know, they want to sit there and play video games or they want to go down to the mall or they want to go out and, you know, hang out with their friends or they want to work on their car or they want to, you know, go in their room and decorate it. They're, 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 they're never at a loss for something to do. It's As parents, we start telling them, you should do this. You'll make more money being a doctor than a mechanic. You should go to the best school. You should study this when they don't want to. And so literally kids begin to be numbed out in terms of what it is they really love. I mean, one of my sons who's 17 right now loves the theater, loves the art. You know, he paints, he draws, he's in plays, he sings, he's recorded albums already, uh, and he just loves it. But you put him in a biology or a math class, he's miserable. He's never going to do biology and math to save his life. So we force kids, and they begin to numb out just to survive. And then you say, what do you want to do? And they go, I don't know, because they're not in touch with it anymore. So we have to get back to that childlike state. And what I recommend to people is find out, look up back over your life, what are the things that brought you the greatest joy? All through my life, I loved to be a teacher and a leader, whether I was a Boy Scout patrol leader, uh, the head of the, the youth fellowship at the church, you know, a group leader in my school, whatever. And I began to realize I love it when I'm teaching and leading. And so that's what led me into psychology and working with people and being a teacher and so on and so forth. So if you look at what brings you joy, use joy as your guidance system. If you're not happy, then you're not doing the right thing. So if I'm in the first 30 days of pursuing a dream or, mm-hmm. or finding what my dream is, finding that joy, finding what I, I used to love would probably be the first step. What would the next, next few weeks, next few months look like? Well, basically, you know, the first chapter of my book, uh, the success principles is take 100% responsibility for your life. And most people don't want to do that. They want to blame the economy, the president, the war, their boss living in Ohio. You know, whatever it is, they want to blame that for why they're not successful. You have to take 100% responsibility. It's the thoughts you think, the things you say, the actions you take, the, the images you hold in your mind. Those are the things that determine your future. And we have to become responsible for learning that and, you know, learning how to change our thoughts so I would say the first thing would be read chapter one of my book, and it's not self-serving. Most people just don't know how to do that. The second thing is to, as you said, figure out what it is you really want to do. And just like sit down and say, okay, God gives you a million dollars or $10 million or whatever it would take, but you have to work. You have to do something out there in the universe, but you can do anything you want and you're guaranteed success. What would you do? Well, I know some people that would travel. Well, you can make a living traveling. You know, there are people that take pictures for National Geographic. They write travel journals. You know, they contribute to Condé Nast Traveler magazine. There are people who are tour guides. There are people... I just met a woman. She loves to surf. And now what she does is she takes 40-year-old women who are kind of reaching that midlife crisis thing, and she takes them on a surf trip in Hawaii, teaches them all to surf, gets them out of their comfort zone, teaches them to take risks, uses it as feedback about how they take risks in their life. And she makes, you know... $10,000 a week doing what she loves to do. I love it. (laughs) So how important is it to change or adapt a goal that you might have set very specifically and and let sort of the universe bring things to you that you might not necessarily have seen? 
Well, you know, once you've set a goal and you start taking action, and you, need, you do need to do that, you do need to get into action with a plan. What often happens, though, is the universe can see a better way to do it. It's as if you're driving down the road and you're on a freeway, and maybe let's say there's an accident a mile up. You can't see that accident because you're down on the, on the surface, but the helicopter, you know, the news helicopter, the traffic copter, it can see that accident. It can tell you on your radio, hey, get off a of Coenga Pass and you'll bypass the accident, so you'll take a different road. Well, your high self, your spiritual self, uh, source energy, God, infinite intelligence, whatever you want to call it, can see a better path for you sometimes than the one you've laid out for yourself. So it may divert you. It may take you in a different direction. It may have you, you know, get off the freeway and take a different route. And that may show up as an intuition or an inspiration. You might just think, gee, you know, I think I'll get off the freeway and go over to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee. And because of that, you bypass the accident. Or it may show up in, a, in, in, in the thing where you're doing a job and all of a sudden your, your business gets, uh, you know, it, 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 it gets closed and you lose your job. And you think this is a terrible thing. But it may be the best thing that ever happened to you because three months later you may be in a job that makes you twice as much money and twice as happy, but you never would have quit your other job because you were secure. But this is actually a better road for you to get to where it is you say you want. So you have to trust that the universe is beneficent. It's on your side. It's looking out for you. And when things show up, uh, you know, cooperate with them. So, Jack, going back to the house, the 4,000-square-foot house by the ocean in Malibu, mm-hmm. at, how does the universe react if you suddenly increase the size of the house or, or move it to Santa Monica, do you change those details? You can change those details, and sometimes you may have wanted the house in Malibu and you end up with the one in Santa Monica, but you still get a house on the ocean and it's what you wanted. You know, it, it, the purpose of a goal is to get us into momentum, to get us off the dime, get us into action. Buckminster Fuller, a great scientist uh, who died a number of years ago, one of the Einsteins of our age, said, uh, he taught this thing called processional effects. What he meant by that is when you're in action, things happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise, that even are, they, they weren't the thing you thought you were doing, but, but effects will occur. Let me give you an example. Uh, I decided one day to start something called the Transformational Leadership Council. I was lonely in the sense that I didn't have access to other people who do my work, who run training companies to transform people's lives. So I called up John Gray, who wrote Men Are From Mars, and Lisa Nichols, who's in The Secret, and Marcy Shimoff, who wrote uh, Happy For No Reason. And I said, hey, look, let's get a meeting in my house and see if we can't create an association of people who own training companies that do transformation. Well, 30 people showed up. We created the organization. Three years later, we have 120 members. We meet twice a year for four days. It's the happiest four days of my year each, each time we do it. And what happens is... At one of our meetings, a woman named Rhonda Byrne called and said, could I come to your meeting? I'm making a movie. I'd like to film some of the people that are there. Well, my first reaction was, oh, she's just going to interrupt stuff, and it's going to be a problem and everything. And then I meditated that night, and I got a big yes, make sure she comes. So she came and filmed about 15 of us, 12 of which ended up in a movie called The Secret. That changed my life. As a result of that, I have twice as many speaking engagements, twice as many radio shows, got to be on Oprah, Larry King, and so forth. Well, that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't started uh, the Transformational Leadership Council. So I didn't start it in order to end up on Oprah and be in a secret, but that was something that came out of it because I was in motion. So when we start to do stuff, all these other things will happen. These effects will proceed off of our motion that weren't even part of our game plan that will take us to an even higher level. 
And it's it's also clear to me just listening to you that one of your goals is certainly contribution and helping people and affecting people's lives. So the universe is going to bring you more and more opportunities to do that. That's true. Yeah, I know Deepak Chopra, my, my friend Deepak, gets up every morning and says, show me how I can be of greater service to a greater number of people today. I do something very similar. And as a result of that, we're constantly given opportunities to make a difference. And as you know, the money you make back is proportionate to the, the service you create in the world. Here's another question. Self-esteem. I know having read a few of your books, self-esteem, you say, is the foundation for everything. Mm-hmm. How do we strengthen our, our inner self-esteem so it's not so dependent on these outside things when they happen, if they can happen, and some of them will certainly change? Well, self-esteem comes from two things, knowing you're lovable and knowing you're capable. So the more you develop your skills, uh, you know, if you take a course, learn a new language, develop your computer marketing skills, whatever it might be, you're building your self-esteem. Part of your self-esteem has to come from real ability, real accomplishment. The other half comes from feeling lovable. And, uh, and as you're kind of leading toward, the most important love is the love you give yourself. So we're out there looking for other people's love to prove we're okay. But if we love ourselves fully, we don't need other people's love. The most powerful tool that I've come up with uh, for developing self-esteem is something called the mirror exercise. Sounds a little corny, a little Californian, but it works. <laughs> and it's this. What you do is every night before you go to bed, you stand in front of your mirror. I recommend closing the door so other people in the house don't hear you doing this. And you talk to yourself out loud, and you do three things. You start with your name, and then you say, I want to acknowledge you for the following things. And you do three areas accomplishments during the day, disciplines you kept, like you did your Pilates, you didn't eat dessert and so forth, and temptations overcome. You know, you didn't stay up till 2 in the morning playing solitaire on the computer or surfing the net or playing video games or visiting porn sites or whatever it might be. And so whatever that is, you acknowledge yourself for your successes, your disciplines, and your you know, temptations not succumb to. And finally, you end with, I love you. And then you hold eye contact with that mirror image of yourself for at least a minute afterwards and really take in the love. If you do that every day for 40 days, you will totally change your relationship to yourself. You will replace your negative self-talk with positive self-affirmation. But it takes discipline to do that. And, and the 30 days is important. Research now shows that if you want to make a habit, either mental or behavioral, you've got to do it for 30 uninterrupted days, which means if you do it for 20 and skip day 21, when you start on day 22, it's 30 more days. Yes, we like that here at the first 30 days. (laughs) Jack, similar question, but I want to know if if you'd add anything or anything different. Um, Gratitude. Is gratitude, acknowledgement, does gratitude go beyond just acknowledging yourself and thanking other people for their role in your life and God and and anything else that might show up? Well, it's all of that, and it's also a state of constant appreciation for what you have. In other words, most of us are focused on what we don't have. I came back from India recently, and I said to my wife, if I ever complain about a stain on the carpet or we don't have this or we don't have that, slap me. Because I was in a village in India where nobody has a carpet. People are living on mud floors. When it rains, they get wet. So imagine your house being muddy all the time and wet for three months out of the year during the monsoon season. People have maybe two sets of clothes. People share a newspaper among 30 different people just to read the news. There are thousands of people sleeping on the street with their head on their hand just to keep it off the dirt. I said, we have so much. You know, the food we have in our refrigerator, the telephone system that works, the books we have to read, 200 stations on our television channel. We are so blessed. 
When you really get that and hold that attitude, then you're constantly in a state of gratitude. And we talk about grace, and you know, we, by the grace of God, we get things. Grace and gratitude come from the same root word. People who are gracious, when we say gracias in Spanish, you know, and so forth. So basically, being in that state of gratitude says, I am so appreciative of what I have. And when you're appreciative of what you have, law of attraction gives you more to appreciate. When you complain about what you don't have, law of attraction gives you more to complain about. I want to talk a little bit more about the law of attraction. How might someone use the law of attraction in the wrong way? Are there wrong ways? Are there right ways? Well, the law of attraction is always working, whether you use it or not. Like gravity is always working. It doesn't just work from 10 to 11 when you decide you need it. It's working 24 hours a day. So if you jump off a cliff at 3 in the morning, you're still going to die. So law of attraction works. Every thought you think sends out a vibration, an emotional vibration, and that attracts to you more things to feel the same way about. So when you're thinking about what you don't want, like I had a coaching client who said, you know, I, I asked her what she wanted me to help her with that day, and she said, I want you to help me attract the perfect boyfriend. I said, great. I said, and I, I said, describe your perfect boyfriend. She said, no, just tell me how to use law of attraction. I know what I want. I said, well, for my purpose, I need to know what you want. Well, she resisted me again, and finally she said, look, I want someone who doesn't smoke, doesn't watch football all the time, doesn't complain about everything, does, isn't abusive. And she listed 10 things she didn't want. And I said, let me describe your last five boyfriends. She said, okay. And I said, he smoked, he was abusive, he watched TV too much, he didn't pay enough attention. She said, how'd you know? I said, you just told me. Because what you're focusing on is what you get. So, so what you want to do is focus on, I want someone who's loving, who spends time with me, who's healthy, who exercises, you know, and so on and so forth. You've got to focus on what you want, not what you don't want. Unfortunately, 90% of our news and what we talk about is what we don't want. War and robbery and rape and pillage and so forth. So you've got to focus on what you want. Talk about it. Dream about it. Act as if it's coming. Be confident, etc. And that's not the way most people were conditioned to be. So we've really got to discipline ourselves to do that. Jack, I'm certainly a believer in this, but for the people listening who might be skeptical about this law of attraction and vision books, what's your main message to them? Well, my main message is my own story. You know, I mean, I grew up in West Virginia. Parents were dysfunctional. Mother was alcoholic. Father was abusive, negative all the time. You know, I had to, I had to work on myself really hard to get to this state. But when I met my mentor, W. Clement Stone, he taught me how to think positively, how to use affirmations, how to visualize what I wanted. And he said, I want you to set a goal that's so huge, so beyond what you're currently doing, you'd know if you got it, it was because of using these principles. Well, I was a teacher making $8,000 a year to eight with three zeros after it. And this was back in 1968. And I set a goal because of Mr. Stone to make $100,000 in one year. And as a result of that and doing what he taught me, I visualized a $100,000 bill on my ceiling. I actually put one up so I'd wake up and see it up there in the morning. I closed my eyes and visualized living a $100,000 a year lifestyle, what it would feel like, etc. And about 30 days into it, again, this 30-day thing we're talking about, you've got to do it for 30 days, I had a first $100,000 idea. I had a book called 100 Ways to Enhance Self-Concept in a Classroom, the book for teachers. And every time I sold a copy of that book, or my publisher did, I got 25 cents. So I realized if I sell 400,000 copies of that book, I make $100,000. Well, I started visualizing selling 100,000 copies. And then I started getting invitations to be on radio shows, to speak at universities and so forth. And then I began to see myself in magazines, and I got interviews in there. Well, to make a long story short, 
and I'll say one more thing. Halfway through the year, I woke up with this inspiration. When I sell the book, I make 25 cents. If a bookstore sells the book, they make $3 because that's the retail markup. If I had a mail-order bookstore and just sold my book, like now it would be through the Internet, back then it was through mail, I could make $3 a book. I'd only have to sell 33,000 copies instead of 400,000. So I started a bookstore, and I sent out brochures, and, and eventually I added other products to my bookstore. That year through our bookstore, we made $92,000 <laughs> with my speaking, with my teaching uh, uh, you know, uh, income of 8000 I let you do the math. So the result was within one year, I 12 times my income. That doesn't happen by luck. That happened because of law of attraction and then acting on the inspiration. And visualization, which I wanted to actually ask you about. Mm -hmm. When is the best time to visualize it? Is it morning? Is it evening? Is it whenever you get a spare moment? Well, whenever you get a spare moment is great because most people don't remember to do it until they have a spare moment. But here's the best two times based on research. When you first wake up in the morning, your brain is still basically in the alpha brainwave state, the state you dream in. Most of us wake up in the middle of a dream because our alarm goes off. And then at night, when you go to bed, right before you go to sleep, you're in that groggy state. That's the second best time because, again, you're falling into alpha. Alpha is the signature curve of your brain waves, which are more relaxed. And when you're in that state, you're more um, suggestible. It's the state that hypnotists get you into when they're hypnotizing you. So in a sense, you're hypnotizing yourself with an image of what you want. So your unconscious brain, you know, your subconscious can come up with creative ideas. Your subconscious is like a GPS system in the car. If you type in the address, the GPS system will spit out the route. It's like MapQuest on the computer. So basically, we have to put in the, the destination. And that's what you do through visualization. And it's best done early in the morning when you first wake up and right before you go to bed. But you can do it at noon, lunchtime break. You can do it right now. You know, I mean, it, it's always helpful. But it's best at those two times. Jack, I, I know that you are a, a strong believer. And I'm curious, how does God fit into all of this? Do you, do you believe that there's some level of things that are predetermined for your life? Or do you believe it's really all up to you? Well, I, I believe in God. And I think law of attraction just explains how God, how God works. I mean, you know, we see light and we don't think about it much. But the physicists, you know, are able to tell us the light can be both a particle and a wave. And so it explains how light works. Light's there whether we believe in it or not. So is God, in my opinion. So what happens is that the question really is, but is it predestined or do we have free will? I believe we have free will. I also believe from tons of research that's been done, there's a wonderful book called Life Before Life by a woman named Helen Wambach, where she hypnotized 2,000 people and took them back through hypnosis to before they were born. People have clear memory under hypnosis of making the decision of what their life circumstances would be. They would be black, they would be a woman, they would have an abusive parent, they would get raped, etc. So that they could learn certain lessons and achieve certain things in their life that they couldn't achieve if they didn't have those life experiences. So I think we do create kind of a, a scenario, but we all know, because we've seen really bad acting and good acting, that we can get the same script, and some people like Leonardo DiCaprio could play a role and really nail the role, and someone like my son could play the role, and it'd be awful, you know. So we have choice about how we walk through this life and what we choose to do, and as a result of that, we get different circumstances and different experiences and different outcomes and results. We can be happy or we can be miserable. We can be wealthy. We can be poor. I think we have total choice about that. So, so just I'd love to follow up with an example. Let's say someone visualizes having kids, mm -hmm. but that's not really in their destiny. So what do we do with goals and dreams that never happen? Well, I, I, I don't 
I think you, you accept it, what you do. I mean, you know, obviously, the old AA thing, you know, God give me the ability to, uh, you know, accept the things I can't change, change the things I can, and the, the wisdom to know the difference. So if you've not had children, let's say you're infertile, you've tried every fertility expert in town, you've tried to adopt and for some reason you can't seem to, at some point you may say, look, this isn't supposed to happen for me. Uh, a lot of people that teach law of attraction say, look, if it feels like a struggle, what they call swimming upstream, then you're off course. It should feel joyful and effortless. Not that there isn't work involved. You know, I had to get up early this morning to do this show. Uh, I had to work 16 hours a day to write my book, but I had fun doing it. And so if, you're, if you find that you're struggling and you're miserable, uh, that's when you're off course. You need to back up and maybe take a different direction and just say, okay, that wasn't meant to be. Do you have some uh, things that you're visualizing currently that you can share with us? Like what's, what's next for Jack? Well, I, you know, it's interesting you ask. I have a new product available called a vision book that we're actually selling. People can go to dreambigcollection.com and take a look at it. It's a vision board that actually looks like an Encyclopedia Britannica on the outside. When you open up, it's beautiful leather bound. On the inside, you can put your vision board. And a vision board is pictures and words and affirmations of the things you want to create in your life. And on my vision board right now, I have a picture of a very thin man because I need to lose about 15 pounds. <laughs> I have a picture of a person in this really full-stretched yoga posture because uh, I'm working on having more flexibility in my 64-year-old body. I have a picture of a room full of 10,000 people listening to a speaker. As I'm speaking, most of my speeches are to about 1,000 people, and I want them to be speaking to mainly groups of 5,000 people or more. There's a picture of me and Oprah. I've been on her show once. I want to be on it again. There's a picture of a house on the ocean, which I want to buy over in Hawaii. There's a picture of a private airplane. Not that I want to own one because I think they're uh, ecologically unsustainable, but I also know that when 16 people travel in one, when you charter them, it's a lot more easy to fly than it is to fly commercial. I have a picture of my family and I in Africa. That represents traveling because I like to travel at least uh, two weeks out of the year. I like to go someplace really exotic and new. I have a picture of eight million-dollar bills on my vision board. I have a picture of um, a, a literacy campaign I support because I think literacy is important. And also a picture of a landmine being dug up because my major philanthropic thing right now is to dig up all the landmines in the world. There are one person every 10 seconds, every 10 seconds, a landmine goes off and some kid or woman in a field somewhere in a third world country is losing their legs. And I could go on. I have about seven more images, but it gives you a sense of what we're working on. Beautiful. Jack, one of the ways that we end off all of our interviews here at the first 30 days in Change Nation is to ask all our experts the same three very brief questions, and they're all about change, so they're not subject or expertise specific. And here, sure. they, here they are. Okay. What is the belief that you personally go to in times of change? Well, I believe that everything always works out in the end. Being 64 years old and having that always been true, uh, it's easier to do it than, let's say, if you're 21. Uh, so that's the belief I have, that, that no matter what's happening, it's for my highest good and it'll always work out in the end. Here's the second one. Fill in the sentence, the best thing about change is? The best thing about change is the nature of surprise. I love it when uh, things occur that I'm not expecting. Uh, find that when things change, they usually change in a way that's even better than what I could have imagined. And here's the final one. What is the best change that you've ever made? I think the best change I made was a divorce that I did, and I got out of a relationship. It was a wonderful woman, and we're still friends today, and we have uh, a son that we co-parent. 
but it was the relationship was over. Uh, I think uh, when you live as long as we do today, relationships have a purpose, and uh, you learn what you learn from them. Qualities like I learned a, a much more about being graceful and, and elegant and inner peace and, and to accept things from my ex-wife. But it was time to move on, and I did. It was painful. Uh, it cost me a lot of money. But the result is now I'm in a wonderful relationship. I've been in for the last 10 years. I'm happy. And um, I think a lot of times people stay in situations, whether it's a job or a relationship, that's not really fulfilling. And there's a time when you have to bite the bullet and make the change. Jack, thank you. Thanks for your thoughts, your wisdom. Thanks for who you are and what you're doing here in the world. Well, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to share. I've been talking with Jack Canfield. For more information about him, his work, his website, his vision books, please go to his website, jackcanfield.com, and be sure to pick up a copy of one of his many books. You've been listening to Change Nation, a show from the first 30 days. And for more interviews with experts on change and inspiration, please visit us at first30days.com. Thanks for listening to Change Nation from the first 30 days. Please visit us on iTunes in the Society and Culture podcast section under Philosophy. Remember to take time to leave us feedback about the show. We'd love to know what you think. Change Nation is a production of the First 30 Days Incorporated. Copyright 2008. All rights reserved.